0: The revolution will not be televised The revolution will not be brought to you by Xerox in four parts without commercial interruptions The revolution will not show you pictures of Nixon blowing a bugle And leading a charge by John Mitchell, General Abrams and Spiro Agnew To eat hog confiscated from a Harlem sanctuary The revolution will not be televised
1: all right. Joining us now, as promised in this segment, is KDVS's own news reporter Sakura Saunders. Sakura, are you there? Hello. Hey. uh, We need to talk about this. Uh. This program you're going to put on tonight. Um. The revolution will not be televised.
2: Oh, I'm so excited about it. It is the best documentary ever. It is an incredible story, which is both upsetting and like uplifting because it's a fail. It's about a failed coup, so um, the people actually get their will done, I guess. It, it also has incredible footage where you're actually inside um, the coup. You're inside the palace when the military surrounds it, and then back at the gates of the palace two days later when the people overturn the coup. So, I don't know. I'm just very excited about it.
1: Both Mr. McMillan, my producer, and myself were able to, uh, to, to check it out, and it is a barn burner of a video. To watch as the revolution is taking place uh, is something else.
2: You know, it starts out kind of slow as a... Portrait of, you know, the Venezuelan leader, yeah. Hugo Chavez, who himself is a very interesting character. Yes, he um, is. Socialist leader in um, Venezuela. He's, you know, doing land reform. Um, he nationalized um, the oil revenues and raised the price, which is why the U.S. has a problem with him. But, um, you know, he's basically a modern-day Robin Hood, unless, except for he's totally legit. He got de- democratically elected um, in two elections in a row.
1: Yes, and but Mr. Chavez was not uh, not well thought of in certain circles among the uh, uh, people. Don't realize Venezuela after um, after Saudi Arabia and Iraq. I think is the world's third largest um, source of petroleum. It's an OPEC member and uh, very important to United States interests. And we we meaning the U.S. government and a lot of oil companies weren't too happy with his leadership. Now, when this happened, I guess in April of 2002. um, there's a great belief that much of this took place. Much of this was planned here in Washington. And and the video does go into that a bit.
2: Well, yeah. I mean, the coup was orchestrated um, with the CIA, but the major orchestrators of the coup were the Venezuelan media. Um, Now, you know, the Venezuelan media, I think, Four or five companies own 98% of the market share. And so by um, giving out false information, um, they were able, and, you know, just having that communication media at their fingertips, they were able to orchestrate this coup. Um, Something interesting with that is that um, Gustavo Cisneros, who owns Cisneros Corporation, which is one of the world's biggest media companies, he owns Univision, among other things, um, is a great friend of George Bush. George Bush has visited Venezuela several times since Chavez has been president but he has never once visited chavez every time you know he goes on fishing trips with with cisneros i
1: They're did not i did not know that george w bush our president yes has gone to venezuela stayed with cisneros snubbed the president of the country yes i did not know that
2: and you see in the film i mean it shows you know first hand footage of of colin powell of uh, the director of the cia all these people speaking out against um, you know, Hugo Chavez, and repeating the false information that the private television companies in Venezuela were spreading around the time of the coup.
1: Well, when this happened, there was quite a bit of, it was sort of a news blackout for a day. There's been a coup in Venezuela, and then there was a lot of egg on the faces of people like Ari Fleischer when two days later, the Venezuelan public rose up with support of the military and basically said uh, no to the coup and 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 the documentary goes into all this. I, again, I can't recommend it highly enough. It, i would I would complain that it does start out a bit slow, but this is one you want to stay with because the stuff you see toward the end is just amazing. You, I've never seen a documentary like this.
2: I saw this documentary, and I was so inspired by it. you know I'm just you know i'm I'm an activist, I do you know radio journalism and stuff like that. Um, but after I saw the movie, I was like, other people have to watch it. So I immediately contacted all the theaters around my area and told them they had to carry it. Um, when I had absolutely zero success in those pursuits. You know, I'm putting my own money behind it. You know, I'm,
1: well, I'm putting my own
2: money behind it just so other people can watch it for free because what? it's an incredible video.
1: Where It's going to be playing tonight. Where can someone go see this interesting documentary?
2: It's going to be playing at Chem 194, which is the chemistry building on the campus of UC Davis. It's free to everybody. And it's going to be playing at 8 o'clock. And if enough people show up, I'll just play it twice in a row. I good. mean, I really want people to see this. And, you know, afterwards, I'm going to try to put a lot of pressure, if a lot of people show up and enjoy it, put pressure on the local theaters so that they'll be able to offer it, you know, for money. Yeah. But, you know, people just need to see this movie. It's great.
1: Well, Sakura, good for you. I hope that people who come to see this uh, worthy documentary can help defray some of the costs that you're out of pocket on on this one. <laughs> But um, you've done some work, uh, some reporting work, not only for for us, for KDVS, but also you work for Radio Pacifica.
2: I work as a volunteer for this group called Sprouts Radio, and it is you know distributed via Pacifica um, and is played on you know some Pacifica stations and also lots of the affiliates. And it's it's a really cool group. It's Sprouts Radio, Radio from the Grassroots. Um, the whole idea behind it is that you just hear various community radio stations reporting on the issues that they care about. The reporters don't get paid. They do it, you know, out of love or because they're already doing it for whatever community radio station they're working for. But it's a really great project. You know, it's a very grassroots project where now that I'm a part of Sprouts, I can invite other people to be, become a part of Sprouts. Yeah. And I think that radio is a terrific medium because of how cheap it is to produce. Where non-commercial entities can actually compete with commercial entities in producing professional-quality news programs. And so it just makes me really happy that Pacific is supporting this and that they're making radio on a you know on a national level.
1: Right, and and we should point out you you, you some of your reports have been heard coast to coast. Mm-hmm. Good for you. <laughs>
2: Every report that I do, I get super, super involved in. Like the first one I did on the National Conference on Media Reform. Well, that's where I heard about the revolution would not be televised.
1: Yeah. Because,
2: of course, the, the movie, The Revolution Will Not Be Televised, is a great case study in what can happen in media concentration. Typically, when you hear about corruption in the media, it's because it's government-owned. But here's a case where, because it's concentrated in the hand of so few conglomerates, that they actually used the media immorally to forward their own political agenda
1: fortunately that would never happen here
2: <laughs> <laughs> you know I mean unfortunately like yeah our, our our government doesn't need to start a revolution right they, they, they just sort of happy being the lapdogs of our government, you know.
0: but
1: well, we, <laughs> They're not
2: starting any coups.
1: It's a subject near and dear to our hearts. We've had people like Michael Perennia uh, on the show. We've been, we're going to talk to Project Censored in the future, and media concentration is certainly an issue that I think a lot of Americans are concerned about with very good reason. And um, and maybe you maybe you ought to come back and we could talk about uh, this whole issue of Comcast and Disney. That might be a worthy topic for us.
2: You know, you see things like Comcast and Disney, and then you hear them say things like, well, you know, we need to do this in order to compete, um... You know, with, you know, cable companies and things like that, you know, broadcast communications companies are finding it harder to compete. But, you know, this is one of the roots of of media reform, one of the most forwarded solutions to media reform, uh, which I believe in, is more subsidies for non-commercial media. Because if news is expected to support itself, you know, if journalism is expected to support itself based on advertising revenues, that is a recipe for corruption. It's going to... um, you know, go closer to that line where news borders entertainment in order to get that market share. Yeah. And then when you have all these companies competing with each other for market share because that's the only way for um, them to sustain themselves, then you have one company going more towards entertainment than all the rest of them have to switch towards it. And that's how you get, you know, the the Pablum and the <laughs> yeah. Schlock or whatever that you that you see on the news, especially television media, which which costs more to produce like I was saying earlier.
1: And what's, it's an issue in America, most certainly it's an issue in Venezuela, and I would again recommend people see this video because when you when you watch how the the uh, the private stations were pretty much putting out the line that the coup plotters wanted to put out, uh, and it was necessary to get the state-owned station up and running to say, no, uh, this the president did not resign, he has been taken into custody by the plotters of the coup, and once that really got out, well, they were able to get out the word through like I guess CNN and other foreign media sources in the country, and then the people erupted and said, no, uh, this is not how you overturn a government. You do that by a referendum. You don't just come into the palace and say, we're taking over the joint.
2: Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe just wait for the next election. I mean, that's the thing about Venezuela is that people are afraid of, of these paternal forms of government. They're just like, you know, oh, no, government control. You know, you, you have to have everything systematized. You have to have everything, you know, outside of the hands of government well, they still have a democracy over there. You know, so if it's socialism for a little while, that's what they need to get out of their crony capitalist system as they had it before, where only 20% of the people were profiting off what was a national resource, the oil.
1: We'll we'll leave the capitalism versus socialism debate (laughs) for another day. But let's, uh, before we go back for one final plug here on on The Revolution Will Not Be Televised, talk about um, a bit, if you would, the, um, the piece you did for radio pacifica that steve valentino aired a couple of weeks ago you did about sex workers and, and what they're trying to do to protect themselves and some more legal protections
2: oh yeah this is this is a perfect story for media activism because you know the decriminalization of prostitution um as an issue is one that's characterized by misunderstanding and so that's what media is here for to clarify that issue um people think it's simple people think that if you know, you don't want your daughter to be a prostitute. If you don't want to encourage prostitution, you make it criminal. When, in fact, the criminalization of prostitute does, prostitution does very little to stop it. But what it does is it criminalizes the women and makes it so that they are unable to use the police as a resource and they have no recourse for when they're violently attacked. And prostitutes, let me tell you, are targeted for the worst sorts of crime.
1: Right. So they can't go to the police because then they get arrested for being prostitutes.
2: Yes. Yeah. And right now, um, Swap USA, um, the Sex Workers Outreach Project, is actually working. They have till the 22nd of this month, so, so they don't have that much time. But they're trying to get legislation on the floor um, that would just grant immunity to prostitutes for reporting crimes. Um, this isn't the decriminalization of prostitution, even though that's the eventual goal, um, because it's it's what the reason is on the side of, um, but they just want prostitutes to get immunity so that they can report rapes and assaults and all those things that they're targeted for. Right. And they're having a very hard time getting somebody to support that legislation, and it's 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 very unfortunate. And what's needed first, you know, Mark Leno told Swap USA, what you need first is you need a grassroots effort in order for the politicians to do their job. You know, you need the public support first. You know, unfortunately, politicians aren't in the position where they can, you know, I guess, make decisions on their own and and, and weigh out the reasons um, for and against um, because because people are so ill-informed that it could be a bad political move for them. But, you know, I wanted to... Do that piece on the decriminalization of prostitution because of that um, because women can't report crime because criminalizing it just makes it more expensive and because i've had so many testimonies from police officers i got joe mcnamara the ex um police chief of san jose to say that what they do is a token enforcement most of the time it gets turned over in court anyway it does little to stop prostitution um it only targets um, port street prostitution and, you know, poorer classes in prostitution, whereas, you know, he told me himself, he did busts of um, brothels where he found, you know, high-up politicians as customers. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and very wealthy people. Yeah, you know, a little embarrassing. Yeah, but they're protected, you yes, know. Yes,
1: they are. There's always these high-class call rings operating in Washington. They don't seem to bust them very often. But anyway, Sakuris, thanks for coming on. Let's plug the show one more time. It will be in 194 Chemistry.
2: Yes, on the UC Davis campus at eight o'clock today at Chem One Ninety Four, um, large building, seats four hundred. It's for free. The revolution will not be televised.
1: Now, for people people coming out of town or from Sacramento, I hope some people will. Uh, how uh, not familiar with the campus? How how would they best get to One Ninety Four Chem? I'm having a hard time thinking of this myself.
2: Well, um, One Ninety Four Chem is across from the silo. There's um, if they go on the UC Davis website, they'll be yeah. able to find a they, yeah. uh, map of the campus, which is the best way to describe it.
1: Yes, or they, um, could, they could park near the Mondavi Center and walk north. It's not a long walk.
2: Exactly, yeah. exactly. It's south of the Quad, yeah. um, a little bit north of the Mondavi Center. And, you know, look on www.ucdavis.edu and you'll be able to find a map of it. Um, it's a big building, and I hope to see a lot of people there.
1: Well, Zakir, thanks for your efforts. I hope that you pack the joint tonight. I hope to be there myself, and uh, this is certainly a documentary well worth seeing.
2: Okay, thank you very much All right. Bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye.
1: I should mention that uh, the, the betting music at the top of this uh, segment, The Revolution Will Not Be Televised, is not related to the documentary you'll be seeing tonight, although it's kind of a proto-rap, uh, pretty, good, pretty good tune. By New York Poet. Gil Scott Heron. So yes, it isn't only Dr. Andy's Poetry and Technology Hour that brings you poetry during KDVS's Public Affairs Broadcasting. And uh, we wanted to get Dr. Andy on today's program. Well, I think we'll bring him back on next week's show. We want to talk about his his quest to become the Trivia Champion uh, going on over in Sacramento, a a quest that I've been uh, rendering some assistance in. And uh, I I love Trivia. I love Jeopardy! and I, I think we'll have him talk a little bit about that and maybe And maybe let's talk a little about poetry, too. You know, we could use a little smidgen of that on this program, don't you think? And while he may not be a poet, he is one of our Middle East correspondents, so let's now go to Baghdad, Iraq, for the return to our program of Mr. Akbar Crazy Eddie Chalabi.
0: Hey, how you doing? My pleasure. It's wonderful to be back here.
1: Well, it's nice to have you, sir.
0: Yeah. Well, now that I landed, this great job doing what I can to rebuild the home of my family in Iraq here. You know, I was born a half a mile away before my family moved to New York.
1: Now, when was that again?
0: 1958. But I was here for the first 14 months of my life. I remember it like it was yesterday. Yeah.
1: Uh, Mr. Slaby, how is your Uncle Ahmed? Is he still planning to run for office there in Iraq?
0: Oh, nah. They're going to hand him the reins of power come June without holding an election. But, uh, mums the word, you know?
1: Well, your secret is safe with us.
0: Well, you know what they say. Loose lips sink, uh... Um What's that thing? Uh, ships. <laughs> That's
1: right. Yeah. Well, who, who exactly do you work for now?
0: Oh, it's a consortium industry working to uh, repair the infrastructure of Iraq whilst obtaining uh, the uh, best price
1: possible. Well, that would be the best prices for whom?
0: Well, you know, our motto is we will not be oversold. I sent you the catalog.
1: That was the Pentagon catalog you sent me? That's correct. Yeah.
0: And in the upper corner, we include a $2,043 hexagon nut with every purchase of the 1995 catalog. Good, huh?
1: Which is, if I recall correctly, that's what the Pentagon paid for standard nuts that you could buy in any hardware store for $0.04.
0: Excuse me, my friend. We like to call it building value.
1: Uh Uh-huh. Your catalog lists, say, a $435 hammer, a $640 toilet seat, and Uh I believe a $7,622 Coffee maker. Uh
0: huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, we always say we will not be oversold, doggy. That's yeah. right.
1: Yeah. Well, taxpayers do wonder, Mister Chalabi, how non-competitive bids are being handed out all over Iraq.
0: All right. Now listen, my friend. Uh, you know, a doggy-dog situation is an ugly thing. You got to admit.
1: Well, let's let's discuss that a bit, shall we?
0: Yeah, sure, why not? Okay, listen, you know, it encourages, uh, you know, backstabbing and vicious price cuts, obviously. And, and we think that if people can sit down together and work out a contract uh, in a civilized way, uh, everybody comes out a winner, you know?
1: Well, everybody except perhaps the United States taxpayer.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you got to admit, I mean, that's still almost
1: everybody involved, right? Uh-huh, uh, cl- close but no cigar.
0: Nitpicking over these contracts is
1: counterproductive. It is.
0: I mean... Who'd sign on if we were going to rake them over the coals for a minor problem with availability or capability, right? Uh-huh. I mean, we're all chums here on the same team, aren't we?
1: Uh, c- kind of like golf partners.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know, which actually uh, we are. <laughs> Good point.
1: <laughs> well, Why don't you guys just buy things in bulk like everybody else?
0: So-called price breaks are illusory, you know, we say. We'd rather pay more to get what we want whenever we want it. That's the key. You know, so 40% of our purchases come in lots of 5 or less. Not the cheapest way of doing business, but are you going to ask your local Andy Andy to protect you from Islamic extremist attacks? <laughs> well,
1: I, I never thought to ask that question.
0: Yeah, I don't think so.
1: Why can't we just buy things off the shelf?
0: Look, if you need a coffee maker that can brew a hot cup of Java despite a 100-degree plunge in temperature, you think your Norelco's going to be up to the job? Please. Well,
1: are you anticipating an explosive aircraft decompression at 38,000 feet followed by a coffee break? It's possible. No wonder Halliburton's making a killing in Iraq.
0: (laughs) You said it, pal.
1: (laughs) But, Mr. Chalabi, I I heard that that famed coffee maker was designed to brew beverages under 40 Gs of force.
0: Okay, look. Now, you might buy something cheap off the shelf, but uh, will it work when the chips are down? That's what we're asking. You know, tell me that. Our $7,622 coffee maker was designed to withstand 40 Gs and still brew a perfect cup every time. You know what? By God, it does. <laughs>
1: yeah, but 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 40 Gs would kill everyone on board the aircraft. Eh,
0: maybe. I'm no expert. I just know they can calculate these things and then build them to the rest. Good luck finding that at Walmart, I'll tell you.
1: Well, Mr. Akbar Crazy Eddie Chalabi, thanks for explaining to us why the price of freedom is sometimes so high.
0: I couldn't be happier to do it, my friend. Thank you, Dougie.
1: Well, that's it for today's show. Thanks again to Dr. Sherrod Malalu of Cal State University, Sacramento, KDVS's own Sakura Saunders, and of course, Akbar Crazy Eddie Chalabi in Baghdad, Iraq. I'm Douglas Everett. This program was produced by Edward McMillan. Stay tuned for Todd. We'll see you next Thursday at 5.